You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So let's get into the word this morning. You can take your Bibles out and go over to Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to continue talking about uh, this subject of prayer. Pray without ceasing is the name of this. Uh, If you're taking notes, I think this is about our third week going into this. So this has been our foundation verse, James chapter 5 verse 16. It says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So over the last two weeks, and if you weren't here, I'd really encourage you to get the podcast. Oh, let me say one more thing while we have sound. (laughs) Uh, So we've been having some issues with the board. I think it's with the board, uh, the soundboard. You heard it this morning. It was dropping out. It's happened over the last few weeks. It's so sporadic that it's real hard. We haven't figured out what it is yet. I just wanted to say, especially for those of you who hook up with us every week on live stream, If that happens, we're going to continue. Uh, Hopefully we can put up, I mean, you'll know there will be no sound. So, you know, but we'll maybe put up something that I think we can still do that. Put up a little sign that says we're having problems. But anyway, uh, if that happens, we in this place will just continue worshiping God because we don't stop worshiping because we're having a technical problem. And we will go on with the service in this place and they will do their best to get it corrected. Hopefully we can figure out what's going on and get it fixed. Uh, but at any rate, if that happens, just if you're out there, just be patient, hang on. And also, Lucas, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, do we still get a recording if that drops out? Would there be an archive for people out there later? Yeah, there would be. He's, he's nodding. So, um, so at worst case, you could come back and pick up the podcast or the, the archive on YouTube or whatever. Okay, so I said all that because I was saying if you weren't here the last two weeks, you should do that. Pick up the podcast or the archive on YouTube, do whatever, uh, because we laid a lot of foundation for where we're going to start going today. Uh, We talked about what it means, praying without ceasing. The Bible tells us pray always. The Bible tells us pray in every situation. We talked about what that means and what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, you know, that we lock ourselves away in a monastery and never have another thought. Uh, we go on through life with, we want to have a continual awareness of God's presence and live in a conversation with him and then let him direct our prayers. For us, prayer is a, it's normal. It's a foundation. It's standard. It's not an afterthought, okay? Uh, it is just, it is something that we live in. It is, it is not uh, a ceremony. It's, it's just a place that we live in relationship with God. Okay. We talked last week about some of the reasons that we do get tired and quit. And we talked about some ways to stay filled up so that we don't get tired and quit. Or when we do get tired that we don't quit. Okay. And so we went through some of those things last week. And today I want to start uh, going through a number of just foundations for prayer, foundations for our prayer life. These are characteristics that should, that, that kind of go no matter what type of prayer we're involved in, these things should be a part uh, of what we're doing, where we're, where we're coming from. And uh, so I, I want to I start with that. And I do want to start over in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to spend some more time in this in upcoming weeks. But I just wanted to hit a couple of verses uh, in Matthew chapter 6. And again, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible here. But uh, I want you to notice that, in fact, let's, um, let's go down first to verse 9. I want you to notice uh, in, in some of the other Gospels, first of all, what happened here was Jesus' disciples asked him, teach us to pray. All right, teach us how to pray. And in verse 9, I want you to notice this because it's relevant to all of this. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. And then he went into what we call the Lord's Prayer. He didn't say, these are the words I want you to repeat over and over. He didn't say, these are the words I want you to pray. 
And there is a place for that. We'll get to that when we get to that. There is a place for that. But that isn't what he said. He gave us a model. He gave us some demarcations. And we'll get to those uh, again, not today. Uh, but he said, this is how you should pray. So he's, he's giving foundations on how we should pray, how we should approach God. Now let's go back up to, in fact, let's go all the way up to verse one uh, in a, where as Jesus be, or as this chapter, I mean, Jesus didn't say this as a chapter, but we have it as a chapter. As this discourse begins in verse one, he says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Okay, so that would be the motivation of heart. He say, be careful don't do the don't do this stuff to be seen by people to be applauded by people so people will think better of you that's that's what he's saying there if you do you will have no reward from your father in heaven so it's the first thing he says he talks about praying he talks about giving he talks about fasting he talks about a number of things in these chapters but his uh, in all of that one of the foundations is we don't want to do anything that we do as christians in order to be seen by people in the sense of being lifted up in people's eyes. Okay, there are times where uh, we, we want evidence of Christ in our lives, and at times that is seen by people. The fruit in our lives is there to be seen by people, and they give glory to God. What we don't want is to be doing things with the motivation of heart, of receiving glory to ourselves. That makes sense to you? I know that's basic, but it's really, really important um, to what we do. So let's uh, bounce back to verse five. We'll begin where he starts talking about prayer. He gives us a couple of things not to do. And, and I want to talk about those this morning. Uh, in verse five, and again, I'm going back to the Amplified Bible. He says, also, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And that word means play actors. And they were, in those days, they were people who literally held a mask in front of their face and played a role. Okay, so, you know, we can, we can see what is meant there. He says, they love to pray publicly, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets so that they may be seen by men. Again, so that they may be seen by men. This is why they're doing it. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret. That means unseen. That word means unseen. All right. And your father who sees what is done in secret. In other words, God sees the unseen. He sees what is in our heart. He sees our motivation. He sees what we're doing when other people don't see it. Okay, he sees the unseen. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And a lot of the translations there, a lot of the manuscripts say, re will reward you in the open. All right, so he won't hide the reward away. The reward won't be unseen. All right, so again, this is all about motivation. Jesus is not condemning public or corporate prayer. He's not saying we should never gather together and pray out loud. He's not saying we should never pray in a public place. He's addressing the motivation of heart. The reason I say that to you is because I've had people say that to me that, well, you know, I, I, have, I have to pray. The only place I can pray is hidden away out of everybody's sight. That's not what he's getting at, okay? The, the number, we're going to, I don't know if we'll get there today, but one of the foundations for prayer is prayer of agreement, praying with other believers, okay? So uh, there are places, I mean, the book of Acts, they stood up together and prayed together in public. God moved in that situation. We see it in a number of places. So, so don't get that thought in your head that, he's, that all of our prayer has to be hidden away in our, in our prayer closet, okay? So we don't literally have to hide ourselves away. However, having what we typically call a prayer closet, it doesn't have to be a closet, by the way, uh, a place, a private place, where we go to be able to really focus on God, that would include a time 
and a place. We have to create a time and a place where we can just be alone with God. This is a really good thing. It's not all of prayer, but it is a foundation of prayer. Having this place where you can get quiet. And a lot of it has to do not so much with the place. Again, it doesn't have to be a closet, but it has to do with this place. It has to do with learning how to turn off, first of all, does everybody know? I don't have my phone up here. They have a, there's a way to turn your phone off. Do you know that? There's a way to put it on airplane mode. You don't have to answer texts and, and uh, whatever, emails and things as they come in. You don't have to look at social media every time your phone dings. You can actually, this is, this is interesting. You can live, you can survive, you can breathe, you can go on with life and actually not do any of that for a pretty extended period of time. And I realize that's, that's out there, but it's true, okay? So, I mean, there are a lot of things we have to do in this hiding away thing. It's a choice that we make in our hearts, you know? And in different uh, stages of life, it's gonna be easier or harder for you to do. But it really, in all stages of life, comes down to a choice and comes down to a decision. You may not be able to do this every day at a certain time in the same place. If you have small children, I mean, that's a huge one. But don't exempt yourself from what Jesus said here because you have small children. Those of you who have small children are saying, you don't have small children. I know. But I've had lots and lots of friends growing up that had small children. And this is what they have told me, okay? They were able to teach their children. And I think this is really important, actually. I think your kids need to grow up knowing that your relationship with God, this is going to sound, this is, I'll probably be attacked by somebody. Your relationship with God is actually more important than your relationship with your children, okay? Your relationship with your spouse is actually more important. I can feel it. I can feel it. It's more important than your relationship with your children. And here's why. Our relationship with God is number one. The life that comes from God feeds through relationship. Okay? And you will not be as good a husband or wife if you don't keep your relationship with God solid. You won't be as good a parent if you don't keep your relationship with God solid. Plus, how are your kids ever going to learn that their relationship with God is number one in their life if they don't see that modeled in you? All right? So how you go about that, I think that takes skill and it takes wisdom and it takes prayer. And I'm sure it starts in little increments and all of that. And for some of you, single parents, it's going to be harder, you know, because you can't trade off. Maybe you can trade off with friends. I can't explain all of that to you. Talk to each other as parents, but the priority needs to be there. The kids need to see mom and dad's relationship with God is really important and it's really fruitful and it changes our whole household. They come back better than they went in, okay? And so this is, you know, this, so at different stages in your life, other stages in your life, it's gonna be pretty easy for you to set aside time. We've had, you know, work enters into it. I can remember times where I was working for the moving company, but it was winter. And so we were plowing snow real early in the morning. And then after we got done plowing snow at six or seven in the morning, getting all these businesses done, this was down in Durango. Then we'd go to work and work all day moving furniture until who knows when in the evening. So I was having to get up to have any time with God. I was having to get up at 2.30 in the morning and and do that. So I did. Were those my best prayer times? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Do you remember anything that happened during that time? No. Uh, no, but seriously, I think God just honors the faithfulness. You know, it's, he honors the priority. And I don't think we should, I, it, I was getting up so early that our German shepherd would get up. Uh, we had, it was sort of a weird four level place that we lived and our bedroom was a little half a step lower than the living room. So I'd get up and go up there. He'd come up there. He'd try and be with me. And I mean, you know, it's a German shepherd. You know, I mean, they want to be with you all the time. He'd come up, 
And then he'd stumble back down the stairs <laughs> to the bedroom. I mean, you know, and it's like, man, I wish I could go with you, buddy. But, but anyway, I did it. And I'm not saying that to impress anybody. I'm just saying, I think God honored that faithfulness later. And I just think it's really important. This, so this whole idea of having a prayer closet, you know, is, is just really important from us, for us. And, I, and, I, and again, I understand you just got to figure it out. You just have to set it as a priority. Ask God how to do it. You may not be able to do it every day right now in your life, but this has to be a priority. Again, God looks at the heart. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. The God, who, he sees what you're doing in the unseen. He'll reward you in the open. Okay. The next couple of verses, it says, and when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition. Okay. As the Gentiles do, they think they will be heard because of their many words. All right. So they just have a wrong idea about what God's looking for. Do not be like them praying as they do for your father knows what you need before you ask him. All right. This is an interesting thing. God knows our needs better than we do. And yet he tells us to ask. And he even tells us to ask and keep on asking. Why does he do that? My opinion, okay, is two things. Number one, he loves relationship. Okay, he loves relationship. He loves the interaction with us. Secondly, when we're asking, it gives a place, hopefully we're listening to. Hopefully we're not just going in with our grocery list, you know. But we're, we're listening to the Lord. And it gives him a place to interject, to correct, to adjust what we're asking for to show us something else, you know, uh, it, it gives him a, a lot of room. But this, this term, this phrase, meaningless repetition, I love this. We all, we all know people like this. It, it means someone who talks too soon, too often, says too much, and with all of that doesn't say anything. Talks too soon, too often, says too much, and with all of that never says anything. Okay, there's just a lot of words, but no meat, no, no nothing in it, okay? Uh, they are simply repeating prayers, but not engaging with the Lord on a personal level. And that's, I've told you before, that when I was a kid, I mean, that's what I did, especially because in the Catholic Church, prayer was used as punishment for sin. So you'd go to confession, then you'd be told, do this many Our Fathers, this many Hail Marys, and whatever else there was. And I could rip through those in a, in a hurry. I mean, I could go in, you'd go into the church, you'd say these words over and over and over while you're thinking about what you're going to do after you walk out the door. Maybe it wasn't that way for all of you. This was, you know, maybe it's just me. But, but I mean, I could repeat those words, but there was no meaning. There was no engagement with God in that. And that's what meaningless repetition or vain repetition, uh, what that is. Okay, so... Our main goal in prayer is connecting with God. It's not making sure that we get our list to him. Okay, and I'm not opposed to having prayer lists at all because we forget to pray about things. I forget to pray about things. And I'm not opposed to that at all, especially involving other people. I think it's really a good thing, really important. But the main goal in all of our prayer time should be making the connection with the Lord. And then letting him direct our prayer. So sometimes it, it is, we're bringing things before him and we're praying over those and, and we're asking his involvement in that. We're claiming his promises about that. You know, we're doing that type of thing. Other times, once you get in there with him, something changes in your heart and you realize in your heart what keeps coming up is maybe praying over this other person or this other situation. And you go through the whole thing and you never do get to your list. He says, the Father knows what you need before you ask. The important thing is that you connected with God and prayed what was on his heart, found out what was on his heart. Sometimes it's a specific answer to what you were bringing in there and sometimes it's not. I strongly believe, and I've learned this through, you know, making a lot of mistakes. I strongly believe in letting God lead you know, if he has something else that he wants to talk to you about, that's what you need to hear. 
You know, uh, it, it's, it's so easy to pull off. It's the same thing with the word. We can pull off into, I'm on my Bible reading program, but you keep in your heart, you keep getting this other scripture, this other phrase. You might not even remember where it is. You might have to look it up and figure out where that verse is. If that's happening, go there. If the Spirit of God is doing that, go there. That's what you need that day, not, you know, what, whatever you were planning to do. So that's, that's the goal. And, and it's so, you know, we're not in there to impress him with how many prayers we've memorized or how many scriptures we've memorized. If we're praying the word of God, which is a great thing, we're going to talk about that. Uh, it's, it's not about, we don't have to impress him. Jesus impressed him for us and we are in Christ. All right. So we're not there to impress him with any of that. Um, and for me, again, eloquence, uh, it is. it was such a great revelation for me to realize that, you know, when you're praying, you can just talk to God. Just the way you talk, he understands. You don't have to talk in King James English unless that's normal for you, you know? And But, but if it's not, just pray, just talk to him. And, and the cool thing is he'll talk back to you in a way you can understand. He'll get what you need to you in a way that you can comprehend it and understand it because he loves you and he wants this interaction with you, all right? There are places for praying the same thing again, and I'll give you just a couple. This is not saying you should never pray the same words again. No, when we're declaring God's word and God's will over ourselves, our family, our city, somebody else, we're speaking what we know is God's promise and God's will, we do that again and again. But again, we are engaged with God while we are doing it. We're, we're sensing that we need to speak that promise over them. We need to declare this over our nation. We need to declare this over our city. You know, we will often pray the same things again. Also, we thank God over and over and over for many of the same things. We thank him, but it's not vain repetition. It's not meaningless repetition. There's I think the meaningless is the most important word in that meaningless repetition. You know, if it's just repetitive, well, then there's no life in it. Just pray, pray where there's life. Just, just pray where there's life. We can turn anything, and some of us are better at it than others. We can turn anything into repetition and routine, you know, and some of us are really oriented to routine. We like routine. We're comfortable in routine. And there's value in routine to a certain degree. But we can turn anything. And this is a relationship, you know? This is a relationship. So you don't want to turn a relationship into routine, you know? When you tell your wife you love her, you need to mean it, you know? She needs, it's not just, oh, it's uh, 6.05 in the morning, time to say, I love you, honey, you know, and go on. It's, it's there is, uh, there needs to be life and meaning in what we do, okay? God's really looking for quality communication, not just quantity of words. Okay, so let's start. Are you getting anything out of this? All right. Let's start through this. Uh, I'm sure we won't get through all of this today, but uh, let's just start going through. These are foundational characteristics that should launch our prayer. They should undergird our prayer. They should fill our prayer. These are just... Uh, a number of things that we need to uh, have in our prayer life, all right? We want to have effective prayer like the first verse that we read, okay? Effective prayer always comes from a good foundation. So the first thing is faith. And I say we want to pray from faith because faith is demonstrated to us in the scripture to be an instigator, to be a motivator. Faith, uh, James, James said that, uh, genuine faith, living faith. Well, he said it this way. He said, faith that doesn't produce a, a corresponding outward action, he said it's dead. That's actually dead faith, okay? Living faith always produces something. It motivates us to say something, to do something, to change the way we do something, to go to God about something, to do something. Faith is that dynamic. It just, this is the way faith is. And again, um, it, it, well, and we, and we look at this, Jesus, here's just another little list. Jesus more than once 
pointed to a lack of faith as the, reasons his, the reason his disciples failed, okay, or faltered is because of a lack of faith. They got off track because of a lack of faith, okay? Jesus asked them, you'll remember, uh, particularly when they were out in the boat and the storm came up and he was asleep and they freaked out and they asked him and he got up and rebuked it all. He turned to them and said, where is your faith? The literal text there says, why are you such cowards? And he wasn't yelling at them because they woke him up, okay? He was asking a legitimate question. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes, faith is installed by hearing God speak. It is inspired. It is released into us from God. We don't come up with emotional faith to impress God. And you get, okay, let's all, let's get, okay, I, I think I trust enough. Now I'll ask him. It isn't that. It's spending time with him and hearing what he says to our heart that literally breathes faith into us. And faith, we know, can be stronger or weaker. The scripture tells us that. It rises the more time we spend with God and it diminishes the less time we spend with God. This is the way it is, okay? So, so this is the way faith works. And so Jesus, having spoken the word to those guys all day long, literally all day long, they were there in the crowd listening. They get in the boat, they go out, they hit the very first problem and there's no faith. And he was asking them, where is your faith? And it was something to think about, something for us to think about. Were you listening there on the beach? Were you receiving where is your faith? What is the reason that you were afraid of this storm? In other words, he had confidence that they could have handled the storm. I mean, it's pretty clear that he had confidence. They could have. Now he jumped in, took care of it, and, and gave him a lesson. But yeah, it's, it's this important. Where is your faith? All right. Uh, Jesus told them that they failed to cast out the demon the one time because of unbelief. So it was because of unbelief. And he said that kind of unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. He, he, it was because of their unbelief. All right. So it's, it's this important. All right. He told multiple people, your faith has made you well or be it done unto you according to your faith. All right. So Jesus linked faith. He, he had to, it says that he, there were places, there were towns and I think this is pretty relevant for us these days. There were towns where he, Jesus, could not do any miracles because of the level of unbelief that was in the atmosphere. And I, I can't say I know how all of that works, but I know how prayer of agreement works. I know that when we come together and put our faith together, there is a multiplication that goes on in the spirit realm. It's not just adding one to another. There's a multiplication of life and faith and power and all of that when we agree together. I think when we unbelief together, it's the same thing. And I believe that that's one of the reasons, I'm not making any excuses for powerlessness here. I'm just saying, I think it's one of the reasons we're having such a hard time seeing very many miracles taking place these days. There are some, and there are some big ones, and there are spots where there are a lot, but it should be a lot more prevalent than it is. It should be a lot more prevalent than it is. I think we're fighting an atmosphere of unbelief. Again, God can get past that. I'm not making excuses for us. I'm just saying, uh, I think there's a truth there that is a part of uh, where we live at this time in, in this country and all of that. Hebrews 11.6 tells us it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, all right? Romans 5, 2 tells us that through Christ, we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand, all right? Unravel that and turn it around. It says we are standing. We believers are standing in grace. It's, it's talking about us being born again and, and living in Christ and all of that, but there's a principle here. It says that faith accesses the grace that we stand in. We stand in a place 
of grace, of acceptance with God and blessing from God and favor from God and provision from God. We stand, we live in that place. It is faith that accesses that. Here's one thing we're going to come back to over and over and over as we look at these these different uh, categories. We always need to, we need to live our lives with an awareness of who we are in Christ, what has already been done for us, the promises that are ours. It is, it is like something that has been, you know, this is a, a terrible illustration, but it's the only one I've got. It's like something that has been put into an account for us. And the, and the Bible actually uses that kind of terminology. But it's like something that has been put into an account for us. And through faith, and through, we reach into that account. It's there by grace. It's there only by grace. We don't earn any of it. It is a gift. All the blessings of God, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. It's all ours in Christ. But it is, so it is there by grace, but faith accesses. And so again, terrible illustration, but if I take an ATM card and I go to the bank the reason the machine will give me money is because I have money in the bank. If there was no money in the bank, it'd be kind of silly for me to go there and beg the machine to give me money, okay? I have a card that identifies me as someone who has something, holds something that's in that bank, We have the blood of Christ over our lives. We have our position of righteousness. And again, I don't want us to ever think of God as a bank. I don't want us to ever think that we're going to him and just, you know, that's why I say this is is kind of an awful illustration. But the identity part of it, I can go there because I have a relationship with that bank and somebody has put something in my account and I can go there and I can withdraw it. There is a truth there, shallow as it might sound, about us praying in faith. We are accessing grace. And we can't ever let building ourselves up in faith become a work. This stuff, it, it, we've got to stay out of legalism and we get these principles well, faith accesses grace. Well, God, I got, I'm going to show you how big my faith is. You don't need to. You need to draw faith from him, walk with him, partner with him, and then let that faith access his grace. Is this making any sense at all? Kind of. Okay. The good news is faith isn't static. You can be doubtful and you can go to God, spend time with him, hear him speak to you, and faith will be increased, okay? So if all that made you feel like, oh man, well, that's terrible because all those things are important, all that list of what Jesus said and everything, and I don't have faith, yeah, you can't. Faith comes, faith comes by hearing, and it says the word of God by, and it's actually, it's that word hearing is in the present continuous tense in the Greek. We don't have that in English. It means hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, hearing right now and forever. The words, that word word is the word rhema, which means what God is speaking right now. Do you see it? So we are constantly seeking to hear, God, what do you have to say to me? That process brings faith into our hearts. And then faith is exerted, is released through our words, through our actions, through our prayers, uh, you know, through our activities, through our choices, faith is released. And that faith accesses the gift, the grace of God. Okay? Um, yeah, let's, let's go over, uh, why don't you jump over to Mark chapter 11. Let's just go ahead and stay on this for a few minutes. Mark chapter 11, uh, we're going to look at verse 22. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation, but lots of your, they just get it right. Um, 
lots of your translations read something like this. Uh, the, the New International Version just says, have faith in God in verse 22. Okay, have faith in God. What was happening here? This was where, um, there's a lot to this story. There's a lot in this chapter, but, but they, uh, they had come by and Jesus had gone to this fig tree and looked for fruit on it. It was out of season. There's a lot of implications there. I'm not even going to start getting into it because it would take me too long to explain it. But anyway, he went to this tree and there were no figs. And he said, let no one or no one will ever eat fruit from you again. So essentially he spoke over, he cursed this fig tree. Okay. So then when they came back into town the next day, they came by this tree and the disciples checked it out. And it says it had dried up from the roots. I, I kind of think they had to dig around it some to figure. I mean, they were they were wondering, okay, what's going to happen to this fig tree? <laughs> you know, it died and it dried up from the roots overnight. All right, and so so they asked him about this. They said, well, they they called his attention to it. They said, wow, look at the fig tree that you cursed. The thing's dead. You know, we're surprised. Jesus wasn't, but but anyway, so he gives them this lesson about faith, and he says, he says have faith in God. A lot of our translations say that. Uh, The Passion Translation says, let the faith of God be in you. Okay, let the faith of God be in you. Uh, The way this is written, uh, that word faith, it means the faith of God or God-like faith. Okay, so again, where does faith come from? It comes from God. He imparts do you figure that God always trusts himself and always trusts his own word? He's full of faith, right? He is a God of faith. And so when he speaks to us, he releases faith about specific things. He talks to you about provision and faith for provision arises in your heart. He talks to you about, I've got a job for you. Can't see it yet. It's okay. I've got a job for you. All right. And, and that releases faith into your heart. And then you can pray over that. You can speak out over that. So Jesus said, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, all right, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen it will be done. So let's talk about that just for a second. So he mentions two things there. He said, we can have faith. Doubt means, in this context, it means being double-minded, okay? Being double-minded, being unsure, being uncertain, thinking it might go this way, it might go that way. That's doubt, okay? So he's saying it's important for us to come to a place where we have faith, we have this confidence in our hearts. Faith is something that it happens in your spirit, and uh, it rises up in you. You have this confidence, you have this faith, and at the same time, the doubts, because they can go on. You can have faith in your heart and doubts in your brain. You know, it's just the way it is. But if we spend the time with the Lord, those doubts can be taken away. Okay, they can just be taken away to where we are single-minded. All right, and he says, in that case, you can say mountain, be lifted up, thrown in the midst of the sea. If he believes what he says will happen, it will be done. All right, so there's a time element there. It doesn't always get done instantly. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe. I love that. For whatever you ask for in prayer, I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. In order to do that, I'm convinced because we know that faith comes by hearing what God says to us, that a mistake that a lot of us make is we, we try to reach out. I think it's just like a kid trying to do something they're not quite ready for. We try to reach out and say we believe. We've, we've let me, boy, so many ways I could go at that. We try to pray over something and we're not really in that place of being assured by faith. We haven't spent time with God to hear him speak to us and receive his faith for us. But we know he can do it. We're confident he can do it. We're confident this miracle is possible. 
We're confident about certain things, but we're still not really at that place of faith, of great faith and no doubt. And we go ahead and pray for it and it doesn't happen right away and we get discouraged. And I think God looks at that. I think God treats us like children. I don't think God rebukes us for that or any of that. We just don't connect. We don't access the grace that's there. Again, we're not trying to move him anyway. He's already poured things out. They're there by grace. They belong to us, but we don't have the faith to access what's what's there for us. So he says, I urge you to boldly believe. I personally believe that is a person who has spent time listening before they spend time speaking. Okay. And maybe again and again and again, but they've listened, they've heard so that faith was inspired in them before they spend time speaking. That's my conviction about that. But notice what he says. He says, boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that, look at the time element, you have received it. When you pray, believe you have received it and it will be yours. So in the heart of faith, it's it's already there. When faith releases the prayer, it's already there. If the mountain moves, faith celebrates. If the mountain doesn't move, faith sees it moved. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Are you with me? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the title deed to the things we are hoping for. All right, the title deed, and I've used this illustration with you a lot. We have a car out there. The title's at home. But I could bring in the title. It's not the car, but it shows that I own the car. It shows that we own the car. It is perfect evidence of the fact that we own the car, even though the car can't be seen, right? That's what faith is for things we hope for. Again, hope is confident expectation of something coming in the future. That's what hope, that's what biblical hope is. Not wishing, it's not, oh gee, I hope this happens, but I really don't think it will. It's not that. It is a confident expectation, expectation, expectation. I expect, I confidently expect this thing's coming. Faith in our hearts is the title deed to what we hope for. It says, it belongs to me, even though it's not out in the parking lot right now. Even though it's not there, it belongs to me. So if faith sees the mountain move immediately, faith says, praise God, you are so good. If faith doesn't see the mountain move immediately, it says, praise God, that mountain's moving. Okay, that's faith. And our prayers, and I don't mean to make this, I'm just emphasizing this point this morning, okay? I don't want anybody going out of here saying, oh man, I could never get that. That's not, if, if that's happening, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But we do need to recognize how important faith is in prayer. In bringing, what are we supposed to be praying? Be, be, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In bringing that in, our faith is really important. It's not either the only element in prayer. Okay, I think when we were growing up, there was a point where this was overemphasized. Like I'm emphasizing it this morning. Faith was overemphasized to where we kind of had the idea it was all about our faith. Well, it's not all about our faith. And God's gracious and God's merciful, but and, and sometimes I think, you know, we, we pray something and he just does it for us. I, I don't even think we can categorize all that. But I do know from the scripture, from many, 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 many scriptures and the way that Jesus lived and the way he taught his disciples, our faith's important. And faith is a gift from God. You don't have to work it up in your emotions. You don't have to work it up in your mind. You just need to spend time with God and let it grow on the inside of you. It's a gift. It's, a, it's another part of his grace, okay? But, but the scripture says, boldly believe, all right, that you've already received it and it will be done. We should be in that already received it all the time. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I go over to the bank. It's mine, stupid machine. Give me the cash. 
It's mine. It's in there. Okay. All right. We've got just a couple minutes. So let me, let me just say this to you. We'll probably just come back to this. I'm going to move to the next one. Just give you a couple of things. Pray from the foundation of the word of God and the promises of God. All right. We need to know what, we need to know what's in the bank. Right. I hate that illustration. I hope I can come up with something better. Um, but we need to know what God has provided through Christ, okay? We need to know what his promises are. We don't, there's over 7,000 promises in the word, all right? So I don't know them all. I don't have them all memorized. I've got, you know, but I come across them from time to time, and the Holy Spirit highlights different things. There are ones I know well, because I've been praying them for decades. There are other ones, you know, that I'll come across once in a while, and, oh, that fits together with this, or... You know, but there are over 7,000 promises in the word and they are all yes and amen. We, we want to pray. What we are doing when we pray the word of God is we take an actual scripture and we pray it over our lives. We pray a promise over our lives or somebody else's life or our community or whatever we're praying over. We speak what God has already said. Doesn't that seem like a good idea? If he's already said it, he said, if I said it, I will do it. Right, so if I speak what he has already said, I can be really confident in that. I'm just he said over in Isaiah, he told them, Put me in remembrance of my word. It's not because he forgets it, it's part of our deal. We need to be putting him in remembrance. God, you've said this, and especially when he puts something on your heart, he's put certain things on our heart about this valley that we've been believing God for, and we've seen parts of, but no, by no means all of for the last 25, over 25 years. We've been praying over this valley and we're going to pray those things over this valley to the day we die. That's our role. We are going to pray them. And if we don't, if somebody doesn't, then he's going to have to wait for another generation that'll do that for him. Okay, this is just part of the way it works for us. So we want to be praying the word. We want to learn uh, how to pray the word. We just simply want to learn so there are, I just have the, I brought these two little books in today just to mention them to you. These are, they've been around for a long time. This one is uh, God's Promises for Your Every Need. I'm sure all this stuff's online now. I've had this book since the 80s probably. Um, God's Promises for Your Every Need. And then they made it, you know, this is America. So it became God's Promises for Moms, God's Promises for Your Children, God's Promises for Your Lawyer, God's Promises. You know, there's a whole, you can buy a lot of God's Promises books. Uh, but anyway, and I don't know what all formats they come out in now. This type's so small, I have to put on glasses to read it these days. But, but anyway, God's Promises. So you can take this and you can look up in here. It's just a good tool. Okay, you can look up in here. Well, uh, I, I need a job. Well, there are promises in here about your work life. And you can, you can pull those out, begin to speak them out, meditate on them, get them in your heart, let them produce faith in you, and then begin to speak them out, begin to declare them over your life. And the other one is this one, prayers that avail much. And there are probably a bunch of versions of that too. Prayers that avail much. And what somebody did here was take the word, and turn that word into prayers. And again, you go to the beginning and there are all these categories, you know, prayer over your life, prayer over your family, prayer over, and they're all word-based prayers. What I like, again, I don't want to turn this into meaningless repetition and just pray this, but what I like to do is see how they, the people who are inspired to do this, how they took the Bible and turned it into prayers. You kind of get the hang of that from this, and then you start doing that when you're reading the Bible. You start going, okay, I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to pray that. I'm going to declare that, you know, over my life. And so those are, we want to be praying the word. We've got to have that foundation, because that's what God has already declared. That's what God has already said, okay? Good, we got through too. There's only about 10 more here uh, to go through. Let's stand up and pray together today, all right? Thank you, Lord. Father, I, I just, some of these things, I, I just pray, Father, that especially all of that on faith. Lord, make that clear to us. Holy Spirit, that's what you do. You make the word of God clear to us. You reveal it to us. Remind us where we need to be reminded. Bring new revelation where we need new revelation. 
Uh, Lord, we, we just trust you to continually increase our faith. Lord, to continually speak to us, Lord God, and particularly where it comes to our intercession over our world, Lord, and specific individuals and all of that. Lord, speak to our hearts. Increase our faith. Where things look impossible, Lord, we need to see, we need to have in our hearts how totally possible they are with you so that we don't falter, so that we don't quit, but we keep declaring what you've already declared. Lord, I, I pray that if, if I tangled that part up, Lord, that you would untangle it for people. Give them the parts that they need to know today in this season of their lives. And we just give all this to you. And we recognize this morning, Lord, that you've called us here into this generation, into various places and positions and groups of people so that we can declare your heart and your will over them through prayer. So, Lord, we take that responsibility. And I I just pray again, Lord, that it would be life-giving, that it would be full of life for every person, that their devotional life would be full of full of their devotional prayer would be full of life, that their intercessory prayer would be full of life, their asking prayer would be full of life. Lord, I, I just thank you for that. Help us to stay in that place and walk this out with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. We'll open those side doors so you can go out that way. Um, if you need prayer for something, personal prayer for something, come on up and get prayer. Let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. You guys go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.